Welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we are continuing our watch of the Clone Wars final season, season 7, and today we're covering episode 2, where the bad bunch tries to find Echo. All that and more after this commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. This is Matthew, your host. I'm joined again by Paul Hoppy, my co-host for this final season. Paul, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. Great, great. Uh, glad to have you all around. And also, my apologies, when this episode went out yesterday, uh, the first episode, we had an ad at the front. Uh, there was a screw-up with our podcast uh, host that should be fixed. If you re-download it, there will not be an ad right at the front, only that um, ad after the intro. Uh, but we are trying to minimize the number of ads that we send you guys, and our apologies for that. But yeah, so today let's talk about episode two, in which um, it, it's a busy episode, but I feel like there's not too much to the plot. Basically, it's the um, the the clones with uh, Anakin uh, alongside them this time uh, travel to the planet where Echo is being held, and where we find out that um, uh, Wat Tambor of the um, what is it, the Techno Guild? No, it's not the Techno Guild. It's it's the corporate. One I'm of the just going to call them the technocracy no it's... yeah there you go <laughs> it's uh, but yeah a group that is officially neutral but it's clearly not right they're holding echo um the whole thing was set up to be a trap but they our heroes find a way to get out of it uh with much struggle and at the end they find what looks like echo's body at least um tambor has said that he is dead but only his mind belongs to them but they they see what he he seems to be alive and or at least in by some definitions, right? They unplug him, and the episode ends with our heroes, you know, flying back home, having rescued their friend. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, what's kind of what's, what's your overall take on this episode? Um. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it it seems like there's there's a lot happening, but not really a lot happens. Like, basically, <laughs> yeah. they go to rescue Echo, they find Echo, <laughs> like the end, right? Um. It's a it's very a you know it it feels like the middle part of a. I don't, I don't know whether it's a three-part arc or going to be more than that, but, you know, the first one, it's like, they're like, what's up? It's like, oh, maybe this is Echo. Then they're like, is it Echo? Yeah, it's Echo. And then right. the next one, <laughs> maybe we'll be like, okay, what happened and what's the fallout of that? Um, yeah. W- one thing I noticed early on, and, um, you know, the, the, the narrator has always been one of the sort of interesting points of the Clone Wars. And you're always kind of wondering to what extent is he a reliable narrator. And right, in some cases right. he is. In some cases he very much isn't. I was annoyed that he starts out by saying, our heroes have discovered that Echo is still alive. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Me too. I was like, did they? <laughs> like, didn't they discover evidence that he may be alive, but not proof? Like, right. that... That seems like they're like at the end of episode one, it's like, here's a, a question in this mystery. And then in the beginning of episode two, they're like, yeah, that's what that thing was. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, especially okay. because one of the major tensions of this episode, and to some extent this plot arc we're seeing, yeah, is that Rex very much wants to believe Echo is alive. Right. And most other people think he doesn't have enough evidence for it and that yeah. there's a lot of real tension. Um, yeah. And the interesting thing about, you know, Echo is now kind of really following his emotions and maybe not being so logical and, you know. Rex. He kind of ha- Rex, sorry, yeah. yeah. And he's kind of having a moment with Anakin of, you know, like, I learned it from watching you. Um, <laughs> right. You know, yeah, which, exactly. In, in a kind of fun scene Padme points out. Yeah, so, she's yeah, like, was, where could he have gotten that from? <laughs> I, I was definitely a little frustrated by, Ahsoka, by that moment. Wait, no, no. The same place she got it from. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, on that subject, I will say, I think the conversation between Anakin and Padme was my favorite part of the episode. Um, really? I, well, for a couple of reasons. One, it – and the Clone Wars has done this a couple of times, but I think this episode really, really did it. It established what the Clone War movies never did, which is actual chemistry between Anakin and Padme. Yeah. And yeah. an actual feeling that they actually, like – they're bickering with each other, but it's in that – it doesn't seem like yeah. people who don't like each other fighting. It seems like people who really care about each other bickering. It feels um, real. It adds some like actual depth to their relationship. Whereas the movies, it was just like they love each other because we said so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it feels because real. They're not like sand. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, and I liked that, and especially, you know, it, it's sort of been a kind of running joke that Anakin's relationship with her is the worst kept secret in in the Jedi Council, right. especially, and so. First of all, the idea that Anakin has basically, you know, there's kind of a teenage, like, high school drama here of, you know, um, Rex yeah. having to watch the door. Right, right, right. He's like, oh, he's, he's working them. on my helmet. Yeah, um, my helmet. And the fact that, yeah, so I, I think it's interesting that what, what that says about the relationship between Rex and Anakin, but also that Obi-Wan so clearly knows what's going on. Right, yeah. Because um, I, I think there have been moments before where you're like, how does, how does Obi-Wan not know? Yeah. Um, so right, I appreciate right. that. It seems at this point, like, Obi-Wan just doesn't agree, but has just accepted it. Yeah, he's just like, that's how it is. And, like, at, at least, like, do a better job of pretending if you're going to try and, you know, act like right. this isn't a thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I felt like it was, you know, it was a nice kind of between, you know, sort of B-plot, right? I mean, it's it's very small. It's like one scene, and that's... I feel like that's the entire B plot. There isn't really anything else besides, you know, full steam ahead, try and go find Echo. Um, right. So for an episode that was so heavily action y and, you know, um, sort of single objective driven, it, it was, it was nice to have something that, you know, a character moment. I mean, the only other character thing really is, um, you know, Rex and his, you know, him making, the assumption that Echo's alive where everybody else is like, well, you know, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. One thing I thought was interesting there was I, in the original series, one of the pl the plot lines that really gets hammered home is that the, um, all of the clones have this very intense devotion to each other, you know, and right. for good reason. Like they've never known anything but each other. They all literally are siblings in, in both a literal, like genetic sense, but also in how they grew up. And that they have a very strong, like, don't leave anyone behind right. uh, mentality. And so even though it might not be rational to some extent, Rex is wanting to do this with Echo makes a lot of sense to me. And it, and it, at first it threw me, but I really kind of liked that the ones in the bad bunch don't seem to feel that. You know, I think it's um, – is it Wrecker is the one who says, like, he's – you know, why is it such a big deal? He's just a reg. Um, right. I Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, th I think it was. Um, but – yeah, I mean, the, I think the Bad Batch are, like, their own separate group, right? Like, yeah. they have that same mentality for themselves, for each other. But they see the rest of the clones as just, like, expendable clones. Which, by the way, I think is pretty much how the Republic sees them as well. Oh, um, very much so. And the clones are kind of the only ones who are, um, 
watching each other's back in in a way you know i mean some of the jedi as well but it feels like it's probably kind of like a minority of the jedi like it's not the like it's sort of the position they're supposed to have in their minds but maybe not like it really is for for all of them no i think it's one of the what's one of the issues i think that gets really well explored in the tv show especially in later seasons is that many of the jedi do see them as expendable some yeah some in a real kind of like almost mustache twirly like who cares kind of a way Right. Others, you know, like it's not that they want to, just in that very like, you know, I, I thankfully I've never had to be in this kind of situation, but I have heard often from generals that one of the hardest things about leadership is that to some extent you have to be willing to, you know, accept, you know, that 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 you, the the best way to lose a war is often is by trying to protect your troops as much as possible, right? Um, and you know, to me that's one of the reasons why war is really dumb. But like, right, exactly. I mean, you you. In order to do the things that you have to do to win in war, like, it seems like if you stop and think about it, it's just unconscionable, right? right. And so there's there's obviously some sense in the mind of anybody, um, you know, perpetrating war that the ends justify the means. And so a certain amount of detachment from, you know, the consequences and from the the humanity of all those involved um, or, you know, the personhood, if they're not human in a world like star Wars, um, that has to be sort of divorced in the mind, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, and and I think with the clones, you have a further thought of like, and I'm not saying this justifies it, but I think this is can explain where that lack of seeing them as human comes from. Mm -hmm. You don't have the idea of, these are people who spent 20 years living their own lives, right. joined the military, and will hopefully now get to live full lives after the military. The These are people who exist just to be soldiers and I think canonically have a life ex- – because they're life expect- – because they were basically – They have a lower so life fast, expectancy. Yeah. They're, they're, I think they mostly die out by like 2025 or something. Right. Um, and that that's part of why um, you know, all these clones are gone by the time the next set of movies starts – 20 years later yeah that that is something that i i wonder about is like where'd they go you know but there is i think the idea that they are kind of infinitely replaceable and that they were literally born and bred for this purpose which you know is i mean i think horrible but obviously in in their mind they're somehow it was justified by basically relieving the burden from whoever else would have taken those those roles basically right well, and one of the things that they never really spell out, it's always done subtly. And and so it it's when when a, a TV show or a movie is making a subtle point, I always have to wonder, am I giving the writers all the credit they deserve or am I right. canoning and giving them too much credit? Yeah, like, yeah. The idea that I've always sort of gotten out of this is that that is all somewhat intentional and that, you know, part of uh, and I think the last the movie The Last Jedi really does a great job of, of going into this deeper, but also in the Clone Wars, uh, it's explained as well. That, you know, part of the reason the Jedi fall is because they have really lost their way and they've become really kind of corrupted in a lot of ways. And that, to some extent, the the act of having to become generals and having to become yeah. wartime leaders, especially of a group of people whose moral value is harder to discern, that that's, that's a big part of what leads their downfall. And, you know, again, this is, again, I think the writers either being subtle or me completely rewriting it for them. <laughs> Um, but in my mind, 
that was entirely intentional by by Palpatine Sidious when they got this whole mm. plan of the clones started, you know? Yeah. Uh I mean it's a good question to what extent that was deliberate on the on the part of the you know the creators of all of you know the whole canon basically um right but i i think it's there you know it's there to be yeah. seen if you want to see it and there's that I, I think it's probably a combination of both i mean i'm sure there's aspects of it which you're headcanoning you know yeah but like that's fine like i don't think that's there's anything really bad about that in you know when when someone sets up a world where you can see it kind of a few different ways i, I think there's something cool about that in and of itself you know that yeah. said it might be nice to have a little more overt, you know, um, discussion about what's actually going on. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, it, I, I do feel like, I mean, Palpatine must be, it's like, he's clearly trying to manufacture conflict, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's an extent to which, like, the Jedi don't really do well with conflicts. Like, they're... yeah. Uh, like the idea of them being generals in a intergalactic war, or maybe it's intragalactic, I don't know, but um, it's ridiculous, really, right? Like, that's not what they should be. Oh, yeah. Like, and if they are, then like, it should probably be a society where they're the ones running the government, not where they're following the orders of this government that, like, I don't even really understand how the Republic works. Like, it's like Queen Amidala is like a queen, but she was elected, right? But then, yeah. <laughs> then there's a chancellor who's like, ele- I mean, it's just, it's like they don't get too deep into the pie. It's like we're gonna have a vote of no confidence. Okay, we did. Okay, now him, you know, and and that's fine, right? But like the point being, like depending on how that power structure is created and and how it's supported, um, you know, that maybe influences the extent to which you should. Uh, follow it and then go around the galaxy enforcing its will. I, I think that makes sense. And you're right. And, you know, as much as I would love, you know, an episode on the Constitution of the Republic and the Senate and the <laughs> right. power structure, you know, we're not going to get that. But right. I do the think same it, way you want to does... see, like, the full text of the Sokovia Accords. Exactly. You know, yeah. like, I'm a geek that way. But um, but I do think it's a good point. And one thing we see in the original TV show a lot is, um, you know, the Jedi are all now generals, but they have absolutely no chain of command. Like right. there's masters and there's Jedi Knights and there's Padawans, but that's yeah. about the only distinctions. And you often have cases where one Jedi says like, Hey, let's do this. And another Jedi, most of the time, Anakin, but sometimes Obi-Wan says, yeah. nah, we're going to do something else. Right. And instead of, and sometimes it's like it often the other Jedi will get upset, but in that, we respect that you have the autonomy to make that decision, but we are angry that you're making that decision instead of, Hey idiot, I give you an order. You have to follow orders. That's the chain of command. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. It's because the Jedi are in theory, at least a fairly egalitarian society. They have these distinctive ranks, but within those ranks, they're all equal. Um, Right. And and I mean, I appreciate that like conceptually, you know, and, um, there's an extent to, to which I'd say it, it actually plays out, sort of in their favor um i mean everything obviously goes hideously wrong or sidiously wrong but um (laughs) um but yeah there's there's all these moments when it's like well the council has said this and and because well uh i can't hear you you're breaking up i'm i'm going through a tunnel (laughs) (laughs) and and like there's it seems like there's basically never any consequences for that you know 
Um, right. and there's, there's really only a few moments like, like with Ahsoka where, where it feels like there are going to be consequences. Um, but, but yeah, th- this idea that you have like a large group of affiliated independent actors, um, mm-hmm. you know, when coordinating an intergalactic war, like maybe not the best, like strategically, but on the other hand, um, you know, that sort of distribution of power I I mean I see basically inherently as a good thing. Yeah. Um, no, I I definitely do, but I think you're right. It's that it's it, it's a it's a situation that was not meant for war, and so now exactly. that it's in war, there's incredible stresses happening to it. Um, yes. Going back to the clones as well. Um, you know I love continuity, and and this is a show being made what like eight eight years yeah. after the original y- years, like yeah, a, a long time after. Um. And but I to get ready for this, I rewatched the most of the last season of mm. um, the original Clone Wars, and I mean they did a very good job of making it very very distinctly ending the show. Right. Um, of what and, season six did? Of season six, yeah, it was very right. much. It, it seemed at least you know they they uh, among other things they discovered that the clones actually were always a Sith plot. Right. Yoda has gotten to talk to Qui-Gon Jinn and learn the whole secrets of immortality and yeah, also yeah. learn that the Sith are, I mean, he basically confront, he confronts Darth Sidious for the first time yeah. um, in a way that kind of, and makes you feel like he could probably know it's Palpatine. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, it's like, come on, Yoda, bro. <laughs> like, but, but the biggest thing, and, the, and it, it's just causing a little bit of a wreck in my brain, not a huge deal, but um, is, is that they really discover that the clones are... The clones were created by the Sith to kind of right. trap the Jedi in exactly the ways we're talking about. Yeah. And I, and maybe, like, you can't really have a show, and so we're kind of having to retcon that out a little bit. But mm. I am I think I'm a little frustrated that we're not dealing with that more, you know? Because well, yeah. the aftermath should be – that should fundamentally change the relationship between the Jedi and the clones. Yes. Um, and we're not seeing whether that's happened or not. Yeah. Well, and I mean, that was already problematic, right? Because – at the end of season six, then the next thing chronologically was Revenge of the Sith, at which I mean I don't recall any discussion about oh maybe these clones are all going to try and kill us and they're a plot of the Sith and uh, maybe Darth Sidious is the you know is, is Palpatine and um, like none of that was really picked up as right. far as I remember um, and so I think it's a little it's tricky when. You know, prequels are always hard, right? Yeah. Like, like you come up with an idea for a series, you make a trilogy. And, I mean, George Lucas had already an idea of the, the prequel trilogy. And I guess he had an idea for a post-prequel trilogy, but that, like, didn't have anything to do with, I think, what was actually made. That's but, correct, yeah. Right. But so, okay, if you already have your idea for your prequels when you're writing your current things, that's cool. That's probably going to help a lot. Right. Turns out it didn't help as much as we would have liked, but whatever. Um, but, you know, there's maybe some continuity. Like if you go back and you have the prequel trilogy and then there's the the original trilogy. Okay. There's there's the difficulty with the, you know, prequelality to the first series. Um, but like then you do Clone Wars and then now you're doing this prequel to the conclusion of the prequel trilogy but it's yeah. also like a sequel to the second movie, and it's like, whoa, you know, <laughs> like in terms of continuity, I think that's that's got to be like a really hard thing to pull off. And 
you know, overall, I mean, I think they made a great series, right? Um, And, like, probably my favorite thing in Star Wars, um, although maybe in that other episode I said it wasn't. But it's, like, it's up there, (laughs) right? Yeah. Like, um, it just definitely has the largest amount of content that I really love. Um, Right. But... It, but there's just, there's problems that arise from like trying to, like, how do you come to a conclusion when then you know that you're, there's going to be a bigger conclusion right afterwards that you, you don't want to, that you can't like spoil and you can't just retell. Like, I kind of wish they just like redid Revenge of the Sith animated, you yeah. know, <laughs> like. I'm just kind of showing it from the different perspective, you know, I. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, but I would kind of like, I would love it if like one of the last scenes is like, you know, that the clones talking about like, yeah, we just carried out order 66. What was that like for us? You know, um, right. I'll say again, like I said, over that, a shawarma the, or something No, in the like... books, the Republic commandos that I mentioned, I haven't read it yet, but book book four is called order 66. Um, oh, wow. yeah. And, and just as another example of where I think you can, an example, I think of doing a prequel well, where it, it can overlap with the time of um, what's already happening in a way that I really appreciate. Um, mm-hmm. There's a book called Darth Plagueis, which is about, oh, yeah. and I, if I if I remember correctly, it is no longer part of the official canon, but certainly a lot of the way the movies were made kind of implies that it still is. Um, but it was it was clearly written like around the time of the sequel movies, um, or I'm sorry, around the time of the prequel movies. Right. You mean and, it's set around the time of the prequel movies, or that was when it was actually written? Uh, both because it okay. um it very clearly it very clearly is written at least after um Phantom Menace because yeah. the book is about Darth Plagueis but it's also then about him recruiting um Palpatine Palpatine yeah uh who becomes Darth and, and you know naming him Darth Sidious and the like right and uh forgive me I'm gonna are, are you planning to read the book? Do you mind if I spoil? Oh I mean, no, go ahead. I actually already know this. I have a friend who's like super into the Sith and like oh, yeah. <laughs> really has explained you know the Darth Bane, the Darth Plagueis, the yeah. etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah. And so, so it 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 tells the story also of Darth Sidious right up to the point where he takes out he kills Darth Plagueis and takes right. over. Yeah, and that happens after the book Phantom Menace, and like during the course of the book, at one point, like you know. Darth Sidious is starting to think maybe he needs to make his move on Darth Plagueis. And right. so he goes to try and recruit a new apprentice who at first you're like, this seems kind of familiar. And then he's like, yeah, I W Darth Maul. And you're like, oh, okay, right. I get it. Um, yeah. And then you get to hear all of like Darth Sidious is like having to report to Darth Plagueis about how the plan on Naboo went and how like the job yeah, yeah. it, but it's all, it was just a great other, it That's, was like a, I love that. I mean, I haven't yeah. read it, but I love that. The idea of having that, like just the totally, the other side of the story that was hidden, you know, I mean, cause they show just little moments like of him talking to someone else, but it's like to actually really see the behind, like the legit behind the scenes, like Sith machinations. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that with, I don't think we're going to get that from this show, but no, you know, but I, I, you know, for what it's doing, the continuity, I think is still pretty damn good. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. But we're getting that. Um, so we're coming up on 30 minutes. We're trying to make our hard cutoff time. Uh, any kind of last thoughts or uh, opinions or views? Um, well, first of all, I really liked your idea of echo having voluntarily gone and kind of joined yeah. the, but you know, uh, it was, it was pretty much what, what I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. 
Which, like, would have been not at all disappointment, you know, if, if you hadn't, like, come up with this better idea. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry. Not that I'm blaming you. Just, I'm just saying. Uh, well, but... it, it does seem to be actually a, a real tradition in the uh, podcasts that I'm part of, especially the, like, yeah. the MCU cast and things, where they yeah. basically, like, rewrite something and then find out that their version was better. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, so on this episode of Matthew Ruins Everything. No. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It... it um, you know, it, I I think the moment where Echo's like, oh, you, you came back for me? And Rex is like, uh, yeah, yeah, I came back for you. Which, like, he did, but, like, he didn't at the time, right? In right. the battle. So I wonder if there's, you know, is there going to be any fallout from that? Yeah, it, it makes me want to go back and watch the episode where, um, where Echo was, was thought to have died. And I'll, yeah, I'll look me too. that up, actually. Uh, and I'll, I'll watch it before next, before tomorrow and comment on it. Because it's, Great. it does make me wonder, like, did the episode leave any pot? Did the episode make us think that like maybe Rex should have tried to to find him or right. like, like hey you know he's in a building it blew up there's no chance yeah. he's still alive you just go. right um, yeah I'm I'm curious about that yeah no me as well so cool well um uh, Paul as always thank you we're looking forward to doing this again tomorrow to our audience uh thank you all um you know please write in let us know what you think Twitter Facebook email any of those places everything in the show notes um because we were just kind of talking about it I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Jeff Randall, who is my co-host on the Mandalorian part of the Star Wars Universe podcast. He's also the co-host of um, the MCU cast and the, one of the founders of the Stranded Panda Network. He's actually just getting started a um, podcast called Script Doctors, which is exactly what you and I were just joking about, Paul. <laughs> nice. Where he's basically going to be like, okay, well, this was a good movie, but it would have been better if we did this and this and this. Yeah. Um, I think it is not yet officially launched, but it's going to be launching soon, so... Fans, if you're into that kind of storytelling, um, definitely check that out. Check out uh, my other podcast, Superhero Ethics, um, as well as um, Binge Assemble, MCU Cast, DC On Screen, all these great podcasts on the um, Stranded Panda Network that are just, if you're a fan, if you're a geek, if you like going deep on these shows, they're great ways to listen. So thank you very much. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs>